Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Mind the Snap. I'm Zach. And I'm Brandon. And this podcast is dedicated to the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts, the screwdrivers and drills of none other than Snap-on Tools. That's right. We're here with our work bags in hand. We have our screws. We have our nails. We are ready to do some construction. Our Carhartt jackets and uh, Levi's jeans. Definitely. I'd like to really talk about the new series of battery that they've rolled out to attach to the bottom of the uh, screwdrivers on the Snap-on Tools. Mm. Pretty excited about those. They're really sexy. They're streamlined. They've got some cool lines on them. Classic bright orange Snap-on color. Classic bright orange. (laughs) Anywho. (laughs) Anyways, guys. Today was a big deal in the Marvel Universe. Oh, is that what our podcast is about? Yeah, sorry. Oh, I forgot okay. Robbie should mention that. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who came from Ace Hardware, uh, you're in the wrong section, actually. <laughs> so uh, today was a big mile marker in Marvel Comics. What was it? Today was the 60th anniversary of the X-Men panel. That's right. So X-Men is officially going on 60 years of comics history. That's a that's a long time for some of you who remember the very first one. Uh, wait, huh? I'm waiting for the joke you're going to make about me. Just that, was all, that was the joke. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not quite 60. You're not quite not, 60. Not quite. X-Men predates you by a little Just bit. Just a bit. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, but so that's 60 years of comic history to catch up on. A lot of really good comics and a lot of not so good comics, but that's life. Um, so we get to kind of go through, we got the privilege of being able to sit in and, uh, watch the panel, which was actually really fun. Uh, it was fun to get to hear some insights about working with Marvel comics and kind of what the different writers and illustrators, uh, kind of had on their plates when they were, uh, when they were writing and illustrating the comics and even uh, a little bit about the animated TV show. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was really cool. It was really, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So for those of you who are interested, let's start talking about 60 years of the X-Men. Absolutely. All right. So the very first, uh, the very first panel had some pretty, pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting guests. Uh, of course, we had Louise Simonson uh, and Walter Simonson, uh, who both were uh, writers. Yeah. The... So Louise was an editor uh, back in the day, and then Walter was a was... very good writer. Okay. Yeah. For some of the original X Men yep. comics. Yep. Uh, and we had Chris Claremont as well. Yeah, and that was that was awesome getting to see Chris. Uh, I've never actually really seen him in person. Well, I mean, you know, like I haven't seen a video of him or anything like that. I've only ever read articles of him, so that was fun. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so talking about those, I did think it was interesting. Um, Chris Claremont, uh, like I said, it's fun to get to see his interview. Um, definitely an interesting guy. Um, has a lot of passion for um, you know comics. But I thought he was a little bit of a challenge to interview. It seemed like the host struggled just a little bit to get him to kind of talk. Um, he asked him some questions that Chris kind of just dodged and just didn't really want to talk about some of the things that they asked. Um, but one of the things I found really interesting, I don't know what you think, he brought up, they brought up the topic of events and whether or not um, events are you know, good, are they fun, um, you know, what, what their place is in the Marvel Universe. And Chris was pretty straightforward. He basically said he did not like them. Uh, which kind of, I think, threw the host just a little bit on how to proceed. <laughs> poor Ryan. Uh, <laughs> yes, poor Ryan. You did a good job, buddy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, Chris kind of was really just not a huge fan, I don't think. Um, so what? let's let's ask, Zach, what do you think? What do you think about events? Sure. I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I'm actually kind of a, a fan of team-ups and crossovers, uh, as long as it's done in the right circumstances. Um, I like seeing the way... Uh, that superheroes interact when maybe they don't normally get to uh, in normal circumstances. 
Um, it is nice to see a superhero kind of carry a comic of their own and get to mm-hmm. have their own adventures. But once in a while, it's fun to see kind of how they all interact and uh, how they might have their own disagreements mm-hmm. or or have to come together for to solve a greater issue. Um, so personally, I like a lot of different kinds of events and team-ups, but I know over time they can get repetitive and long mm-hmm. and just kind of unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you, I've got a lot of good memories from some. I was thinking back to, you know, when I was a kid in the 80s um, and early 90s, um, they had the, the a lot of the crossovers would occur in the annuals, so they wouldn't necessarily occur in the main comic line. It would just be the once-a-year annual that would come out. Um, I, I'm still a huge, huge fan of the Evolutionary War uh, crossover that occurred, uh, I think, towards the mid or the end of the 80s. Um, and those were all in the annuals. You did have to buy quite a few. I think it was around 10 or 12 issues, something like that. Um, that was probably one of the first times that we really had, uh, you know, you had a big investment to actually get the entire crossover. I think prior to that, it was, they were usually smaller, you know, maybe four or six issues. You know, you maybe had to buy a couple titles to get the whole story. Uh, but not like what we see now where it's like 40 issues to get the whole picture. Um, that part, I feel like might be asking a lot of people um, to, to buy. And I'm wondering if it's a little off-putting. But like you, I agree. I think it's great fun to see heroes who don't normally work together uh, cross paths. So that part's fun. Mm -hmm. It is interesting because it it can separate religious comic readers from maybe people who are hobbyists. Atheists? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Hobbyists, I mean to say. Um, Because people who are more casual readers of the comics maybe would like to pick up a little miniseries and Mm -hmm. read it or pick up a few issues. but when you have something like that that spans a lot of different titles and a lot of different uh, comic issues, you really get that separation between people who religiously buy and read every comic and those who just want to do it for fun once in a while. Right. So that is a problem as well when you're trying to sell a major event. Yeah. I mean, I think you end up with, you know, at least some of the more recent events that I've read, you end up with maybe the first issue spends a bit of time recapping kind of the state of the world as it, as it currently is in the mm-hmm. titles. Um, just to catch those new readers who maybe have no idea that, you know, the X-Men are living on a mutant island and can, you know, live immortally. Well, I'm very um, behind on the X-Men. So when that came up <laughs> in the podcast, in the, in the uh, interviews on the, on the panel, I was like, they're... Because I knew about the, the immortality stuff in the island, but the way they went into the detail on why it is and how right. it is, I was like... Yeah, I missed a lot. <laughs> it's been a, it's. I've been catching up on those lately, and it's been an interesting plot point that uh, Mr. Jonathan Hickman and crew created. Um, you know, it takes away some of the threat when your event, when your X Men can die and then get resurrected right away. But um, you know, it also opens up some interesting storytelling. So it's been a fun ride. Yeah. So I mean, it's, and we talked about a little bit about uh, Dark Web before we started recording too, and that's another one that spans tons of titles and tons of issues that it's like is a really huge event mm-hmm. that again may be hard to keep up with if you're not an avid reader of the comics so. yeah you know i think they used to like it better maybe when i say the old days we're talking maybe like 15 years ago so not really that mm-hmm. long for for me but for you it's like you weren't even born yet right um wait hold on <laughs> <laughs> but you know they kind of did it more where the main comic run the main crossover was the self-contained story and then if you wanted to buy other issues they would tell kind of side stories right so you didn't necessarily have to buy everything to to get you know you could get the main story in the first seven issues the, the you know sure. the main title but like if you wanted to see why in this panel cap walked over and opened this door and disappeared for three panels and then came back with the bruise 
Um, you could pick up Captain America, and then there'd be an issue about him, you know, getting in a fight while he was in that other room, and then he came back. So that was kind of a nice way of like you didn't have to spend the money for everything if you didn't want to. You could just you know focus on certain things. Now I feel like you kind of have to buy everything to actually get the story. So sure. Well, because people will just wind up dead or back to life. They were like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, there are some people that are going to want to know why Cap has that bruise on his chin and those who are just not going to care. <laughs> so, true. Yeah. 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 That's true. Uh, so, I mean, that was the that was the first bit of the panel was mm-hmm. kind of talking about that. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add about that first uh, group um, of, of writers and editors? No, I, I, the only thing I thought was interesting is um, Louise had kind of a cool comment. She was talking about how um, what X-Men meant to her growing up mm. um, and that it made her childhood bearable. And I thought that was, that's a motif that I think we saw play out a few times in that chat, in that panel Mm -hmm. was a number of different people, whether that be fans or creators, uh, modern creators, it kind of alluded to the fact that it got them through some rough times in their childhood and kind of just made it possible to maybe embrace who they are as a person or, you know, just get through tough situations. So that was kind of cool. I thought that is something that I want to hit pretty hard when we get to the uh, stuff about X-Men 97. Mm -hmm. um, because that's a big part uh, of some of those guys' lives. Um, But X-Men definitely as a whole is a comic all about inclusivity and figuring out who we are as people and being able to not only have people accept us, but accept ourselves Mm -hmm. for who we are and what makes us different and Mm -hmm. special than everybody else. So... Cool. Yeah. yeah. So next up, they had. So the other thing that was kind of fun about this panel is they had some fun trivia in between segments, yes. which was which was pretty fun. Uh, and they, I sucked. Yeah, I mean, same. I did worse <laughs> than you. So I mean, like at least you had some of those things catching up. But um, yeah, so they had and they had some fun giveaways, which was which was kind of cool. Um, Wait, oh, let me check my email. They said check my email to see if I won. Oh, did you win anything? Let's see. I did not. Oh, that's there's a just a news article about Coinbase and crypto failing. Uh, so, well, yeah, that's standard. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, crypto bros, take another L. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there was some some cool. It was just kind of things like figures, and they had some art books that looked kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. And they were selling an NFT, which will be worth $10 tomorrow. <laughs> not, not selling, giving away. Giving away an yes. NFT. So it'll probably be worth less than $10 yeah. because it's free. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's great. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of fun. They did some fun giveaways and some fun trivia. But uh, after that, they had an interview uh, with Mark Silvestri and Rob Bluefield. Yep. So that was actually probably one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I did like the, the one with... with that's coming up. We'll get there. But this was one of my favorite Spoiler ones. alert. Yeah, I can't get it. Getting too far ahead of myself. Um, but uh, so they talked to Rob and Mark about their experience uh, with X-Men. Um, and uh, I mean, as some of you probably know, um, a lot of their run was based in uh, X-Factor and some of the Inferno comics. So uh, I know Rob specifically uh, was talking about Cable. Uh, and how he used Cable to kind of launch the New Mutants into the the X Force mm-hmm. line, which was kind of cool. Uh, that I thought it was kind of funny that he talks a lot about how they were gonna keep it New Mutants, but he really wanted to have an X <laughs> in the title because everyone else got all, to have sorry, an all X the cool in the kids had the yeah. X in the title. So I mean, because you mean you had Excalibur, you had uh, X was X Factor already around by the time yeah, he yeah. turned into X Force. Yeah, X Factor, yeah. So he he just wanted to have the X too because yeah. he felt left out. Yep. So so he got the X and he got X-Force. X-Force. Yeah. X-Force. So, yeah. They talked a little bit about um, what they liked to see from X-Men. And I have to agree with Rob on this. X-Men 141 
Yeah, classic. Uh, that's a that's for those of you who don't know. That's the Days of Futures Past uh, comic cover, which has a very aged Logan uh, and Kitty Pride in front of a poster of X Men mm-hmm. who appear to have all been killed off. So for those of you who maybe have watched the movies, yeah. um, that's essentially what you see in part of the storyline for, um, what was it? Uh, not First Class. Uh, was it First Class? It was Days of Future's Past. Was the movie called Days of... Yeah. Wow. And then First to, Class came after. Those. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, there is a movie that at least somewhat sort of adapts the storyline. There are some differences. It tries to. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's uh, basically a look ahead to the future of the... Uh, a potential future of the X-Men and what would happen if basically they were hunted to near extinction... Uh, so it's a very, very classic storyline. Yeah, and that cover is really cool. And it's, for those of you who kind of know comics, it's instantly recognizable. Yeah. And it's been spoofed hundreds of times right. throughout Marvel history. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, anything to, to add on those ones? Well, I was, I was just really fascinated to kind of hear more from Rob. Um, I, sure. for some reason, you know, I had this impression that Rob was maybe not the greatest person like i mean i don't want to use the d word but like that he kind of was not popular in certain circles and it was interesting to me i mean i don't have a lot of exposure to him aside from knowing some of his comics um, and some of the jokes that are made about some of his design aesthetics um in his costume creation and whatnot uh you know the man likes a lot of pockets in his costume uh and also <laughs> gigantic biceps yeah but you know uh I, I just had the kind of the wrong impression he came across really kind of mellow and engaging and uh, i i enjoyed listening to him talk so it was different than i had anticipated yeah but no it was, it was a good interview with the two of them they, they both definitely just seem like they genuinely enjoyed comics and and had this enthusiasm. Honestly, across the board, I felt like most of the panel, uh, Claremont may be accepted, um, <laughs> had had a lot of passion for what they did, and that was oh, kind yeah. of fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know one of my favorite parts of the, the panel was actually uh, Mark Silvestri uh, talking about his experience with comics, yeah. uh, which actually Rob praised his Inferno run as the best Marvel crossover and like the best mm-hmm. Marvel run, which mm-hmm. I thought was that was a big statement to make, but that was, I mean... When you when you have that on your pack as like other writers telling you that your story is like the best Marvel story, it would be just I mean, elating, right? To, to say the least. Yeah, for sure. But um, and he's talking about Inferno, the crossover Inferno. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is where we see uh, Madeline Pryor for. Was that the first first time or one of the first I, times we see? I'm not Madeline sure if it's Pryor? the first time. I think it's not. But what I think you it's, do see is uh, mailboxes trying to eat people and elevators. And elevators. And stuff. Yeah. Yes, it's a very odd comic, but it, it is very bizarre. Very uh, memorable, though. Yeah, it's definitely unique and, and special. <laughs> but um, what Mark was talking about with writing comics is he said rules are different now. He said the reason he got away with Inferno was because, of, like, as time progressed, the rules about how you could do a superhero comic story loosened up a little bit so you could have more crossovers you could have things extend longer and you can pretty much do whatever you want in a comic as long as there was because there's very minimal reigning in that happened but he mm-hmm. said rules back in the day were a lot stricter so what you were able to do with a comic was much more limited than you are now which i thought was an interesting point to to, to kind of say because you can kind of see how that change happens over time yeah definitely so yeah, I think it was kind of cool. Rob did show that he had a, he had Stanley signed X Men number one. He did. He kept flashing that he kept to the flashing camera, it. Yeah. even though no one asked. He kept holding it up in front, and people were like, "Yes, Rob, that's very cool, Rob." I mean, uh, if I had a copy of X Men number one with Stanley's signature on it, I'd be pretty yeah. happy about that. Too. Even though it was a five, 
Five was, slab. Yeah, so it was graded. What he's meaning is it was graded as a CGC five, you know, because the comic had some wear on it and whatnot. But still, it's X Men. It means it's one. well read. It's well read. Yes. That's right. Yeah. I, I do have to give a shout out to my boy uh, Larry Hama because Mark mm. Silvestri mentioned that one of the most rewarding points of his career was working with Larry Hama, who yeah. I'm a huge fan of from two things: um, his run on Wolverine, oh yes, and his run on GI Joe. Um, which was huge for me as a child. I mean, that was probably my single favorite comic line until I met Spider-Man. Um, so, you know, definitely a big thing. But if you have not read, if you're a comics fan and you have not read the line with Larry Hama and Mark Silvestri, it's the first, like, 50 issues or so of Wolverine's solo title. Um, go out and find copies of those, uh, you know, in trade or whatever, because those are fantastic like um, stripped down versions of Wolverine. It's not, mm. you know, it's not this crazy Wolverine as part of the X-Men. It is more like, you know, they, they said it good on the panel. They said yeah. it's basically Logan. You know, it's him as a person and as a man and not so much as an X-Man. Uh, really well done line. Yep. That's really cool. And I did I did read all of uh, his G.I. Joe line, actually, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. And I have not yet read his and Sylvester's Wolverine line, so I do kind of want to pick that yeah, up and give it a try definitely. See how it goes. But uh, one thing that he did say in closing that I thought was really interesting was he did say if you're a creator, uh, if you're a writer, an illustrator, those kinds of things, and you really want to make your creativity shine in really unique and special ways, he said across all of media, that includes video games, TV shows, movies, books, the best way to be creative and the most flexible and expansive way to be creative is to get into comics. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool and really interesting because I myself, as both a writer and an illustrator, comics is like the best of both worlds. Yeah. And you really get to explore the boundaries of what you can do mm-hmm. when you're able to show it to the audience as well in a format like that. And do you feel like you're able, I think, to tell your full story, right? Because you right. control both the visuals and the dialogue and exactly. the script. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was that was really cool. So that... All the stuff that Mark said was was one of my favorite parts of the whole panel. Nice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was definitely good. Yeah. So next, I think we kind of move on to the X-Men animated show. Uh, They talked a lot about that, which, of course, as some of you know, is coming back to Disney+. Plus. We're getting a sequel called X-Men 97. So uh, who did we have uh, in the panel for X-Men 97? Yeah, so we had Eric and Julia Lewell. Now, those are two of the original creators on the old X-Men animated cartoon uh, that came out in the 80s. Uh, Classic cartoon, like Zach was saying there. Um, They were two of the original creators. We had Larry Houston, um, who actually was a director of that series as well. Um, And then we had Bo DeMeo, who is actually the writer and executive producer of the current, the new upcoming X-Men 97, which is a direct sequel and continuation to that 80s cartoon. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely it's going to be pretty cool to see them all come back because from the sounds of it, it picks up just a couple months after the 80s show ended. Mm -hmm. So his plan is to pick it up and we're going to go a little bit into kind of what we expect because that's kind of big in our what we you know we always like to give the updated news and they revealed some pretty big things about the show well Bo's a talker he is the <laughs> borderline borderline Ryan was actually trying to get him to stop talking because yeah. Ryan, Ryan liked to pull information out of people but all of them were like oh you can't really say anything but Bo was like let me tell well, you everything <laughs> I was waiting for Kevin Feige to kind of pop on the chat and be like and you're done yeah, yeah. a lot of people in the chat were like careful Kevin might be watching this <laughs> oh you don't want a target on your back man. Kevin will silence you okay um so he kind of like he started talking about the origins of X-Men 97. Um, it started in September during COVID. Uh, and somebody pitched the idea to, uh, of bringing back that classic X-Men uh, to DeMeo. 
uh, and they pitched it to Kevin Feige, who actually kind of wanted, from what I could gather, uh, DeMeo's experience to drive the new X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and DeMeo was talking about his life uh, as a mixed race. He's half black, half white, uh, and he's gay. And he, he was talking about how uh, growing up, the X-Men were kind of this... He could relate to them about kind of feeling separated from the rest of humanity and feeling kind of uh, judged and he didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he found a sort of acceptance in being different because of the X-Men. And like you yeah. were saying earlier, is that was kind of a big part of a lot of people's experience with the X-Men comics. And I think that it's really cool that we can have uh, a comic line of superheroes since we kind of talked in the last episode about the importance of the superhero zeitgeist in culture. Mm-hmm. Um, how that can influence, specifically the X-Men can influence our culture and help people feel more included and more accepted for who they are. Yeah. And to not only get cultural acceptance, but to be able to love and accept ourselves for what makes us different. Yeah, so I actually wrote down a line he said because I thought it was awesome the way he worded it. And he mm-hmm. basically said, we all have this experience at one point in our lives where we have walked into a room and looked around and said, there's no one else here like me. And how unsettling and off-putting that can be. And that's a great thesis statement for the X-Men. Oh, I think. absolutely. That's yeah. That is really well put. Uh, and I know Ryan at one point did say, if you know, if this show doesn't work out, you could always be a motivational speaker. Yes, you, know? <laughs> you have it in you. He brought some people to tears on the on the chat. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. On the for sure. Uh, yeah. So I mean, he definitely said it really well, and that is the main driving force of X Men '97. As he says, it's spe- it's specifically supposed to drive social acceptance and justice, um, which I think is is actually really cool and I think it's very timely and I think it's very important mm-hmm. so yeah I'm really actually looking forward to it uh, if they don't bring back the classic theme song I will be a little <laughs> offended oh there's got to be some sort of a remix of it I'm oh, sure they will yeah. I, there was a time when I would look up on YouTube like classic remixes of like really fun theme songs and that was one of them that was yeah. one of them and still it's oh man I know when they were talking about it um, it was playing in my head the entire time. And Ryan at even one point said, if the show theme is not playing in your head at this point, clearly something's wrong. But yeah, I mean, it's just really classic. And I'm really excited that they get to bring it back. So, so. should we should we touch on some of the spoilers they gave away? Or do you not want to? Absolutely, we okay. should. That's, okay. This podcast, first and foremost, is bringing you guys information. Yeah. Well, so. they, they mentioned that in addition to the picking up several months after, mm-hmm. um, that it's going to pick up after you know the, the events of the graduation episode, which was kind of the wrap-up episode for the cartoon, um, with Xavier actually, um, you know, after an assassination attempt is made on him, he's in hiding on the Shi'ar planet. Um, and so while he's gone, um, it kind of the series starts with a look at the mutants who have been left behind on Earth, um, really basically all the rest of them other than him, right. um, and just kind of how they deal with that. The fact that, ironically for the X-Men, they're not used to this. Um, in the show, it's going to start with a more positive view of the mutants, that humans are a little more accepting because of the fact that they've kind of saved you know the Earth a few times. Um, and so they're starting to embrace them and this kind of weird feeling that the X-Men have about that fact. Um, and then, I don't know, is there anything else you want to bring up about it? Or um, I know they said specifically that um, Scott Summers, uh, Cyclops, and Storm are going to kind of step up and kind of be the leaders of the X-Men mm-hmm. uh, and kind of try and bring them in. And they said a couple of the other characters, like Rogue and Gambit, are going to try to take a step back and try and enjoy what normal lives that they hope they can lead. 
Do you think um, he's secretly a Gambit hater? There were a lot of those. There were a those. lot of Gambit haters. Yeah, and that's, not, that's not cool. As a Gambit fan, that is not cool. <laughs> Gambit's pretty cool. He's got a really unique power, and I don't think it's fair for people to hate on him so hard. What's so bad about him? No, I mean, he's Cajun. He can, yeah. like, you know, put... He can empower playing cards. What's not to like about that? He has a like, sweet... He has a kickin' leather jacket. He has a great haircut. Uh, I mean, absolutely. Very 90s-looking Very haircut awesome for when it came out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean... I don't know what, what, why there's so many Gambit haters out there. I don't either. They're wrong. But, They're all yeah. wrong. <laughs> there was very bold statements made, like, nobody likes Gambit. Yeah. yeah. It's factually false, because I'm sitting here and I like Gambit, <laughs> and I am a person, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, we think so. We're yeah. not sure. But the <laughs> other thing that was pretty cool that he was talking about is he also said, we're going to see Magneto in kind of a more positive role. Magneto, for years, has been the main villain of the X-Men. Um, him and Xavier used to be more or less brothers. Um, they had a falling out. Of course, where they where their differences aligned in how they should handle the issue with X Men being so put down by society, um, and his was more of a violent approach. Um, but he's decided to try and put those things aside and try and imitate uh, Xavier's walk towards a force for good. Yeah. Uh, as well as we're supposed to see the return of a very classic villain, Mister Sinister. Mister Essex. That's kind of an Arrested Development Mr. reference, right? Essex. Like Mister X. His name is Essex. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that actually but it's is Mr. Funny. Okay, my my reference I got is lost. I got it. No, I got the I got the uh, I got the, the X Men fans will not get the arrested <laughs> side, and arrested fans will not get the X Men. You're dividing the fandom. It's, it's a worthless. Oh reference. no! <laughs> just we'll just cut it out and post. <laughs> got it. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's pretty much all we have to say about X Men '97. Um, but it was a it was a fun uh, portion as well, and that yeah. was where they were selling the. Uh, classic X-Men 80s art book, which actually looked kind of cool. It did look cool. I yeah, love it. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see if we win that. But I don't I don't think we did. I don't think so. No. Um, all right, let's move on then. Yeah. Uh, what what came up next? So next we had two of probably the most fan favorite writers oh, on the was, panel. Yeah, my, one of my favorite panel sections. For yeah. Sure. Um, so they had Grant Morrison and Jonathan Hickman, which is really actually a good pairing because I feel like Grant is probably kind of the spiritual successor to Jonathan's writing style. Um, so I thought that was an interesting pairing. Grant is definitely one of the key uh, writers who kind of evolved the X-Men in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and then you have Jonathan Hickman, who's doing that same thing now. Um, so that was, that was cool. So yeah, let's jump into that. Yeah, uh, I know they were talking about what it was like to uh, kind of jump into the Marvel comics scene during kind of Marvel's decline mm -hmm. um, in popularity. Um, and I think Jonathan in particular... Uh, or no, I'm sorry, Grant in particular, talked a lot about bringing the X-Men back to kind of a role of a more science... He called it a science fiction soap opera, yep. which I thought was really interesting and kind of a very cool way to uh, to think about the X-Men. Well, he, he built on what Claremont was already, had already done prior to him, you know, in the run of, of the new X-Men, uh, well, not the new X-Men, giant-sized X-Men, sorry, um, and, you know, basically built off of that and said, let's take it a step further because, yeah, I mean, I think Claremont was the first one to really make it feel like a soap opera. You had the romantic pairings and all these different things going on, and then I think Morrison just kicked that into, you know, third, definitely. Yeah, he, he was the one that introduced... Uh, I think this kind of took me by surprise because um, I didn't know it was this late in her run, but he introduced uh, the secondary evolutions mm -hmm. of the X-Men, which included things like Emma Frost's diamond skin, mm -hmm. which... Um, 
kind of I thought came earlier, but I was really surprised to see that he actually came up with that. Well, tell the story. Um, tell the story why I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so he was saying she had kind of been known through the comics of kind of like the White Queen or being associated with like royalty and and ice. Even he said at one point, um, and so he talked about like her whole thing is about uh, she's very she's a very seductive character and a very uh, femme character. So he was talking about how the one thing that makes sense with this cold, calculating, kind of defensive structure for character is the hardness and yet beauty of the diamond. Um, and so he kind of thought, because the issue as well was he said he wanted to use Colossus. That's the part I was looking for, yeah. Um, but he couldn't use Colossus, and he couldn't remember why he couldn't use Colossus. Yeah. Um, he's probably dead or something. Pro- I assume probably dead. Yeah. Colossus has died a lot of times. He's one of the X-Men that have died frequently. But, um, so he wanted someone with hard skin, and so that's kind of where he spun off with the whole idea of Emma Frost having the diamond skin, which is now kind of a staple of her character. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a cool story as well. Um, and his his run definitely changed the face of X-Men mm-hmm. in modern times as well. So one thing that maybe we could touch on just briefly, or at least sure. I thought was interesting, was something that he said about, um, they talked about, uh, um... Well, I'm going to blank on the word uh, on uh, basically continuity uh, and uh-huh. and you know why continuity is is important and I thought he, you know he didn't actually mention DC directly um, <laughs> not he directly just threw a little shade at other companies who might have uh, you know crises that change the status quo and have to go back and retcon things but I thought what he said was interesting he said that that the love for the Marvel characters is because they are kept coherent and organized. Um, that they feel like real people with real lives because you know you don't just reset their origin every few years and you know change everything that happened prior to that. But that's a really interesting statement about why Marvel characters might endure um, and be kind of loved for their personalities, maybe in their real lives, like you said, because they live and they grow just like we do as we read right. about them. Right. And there's not a reset. It's not no. like oh, the last twenty years doesn't matter anymore because we've changed it. I mean, you know, you could look at maybe side eye at like Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson's marriage. Uh, being dissolved, but you know, other than that, but that's because general, we can't let Peter Parker be happy, or right. else that would ruin. His well, I mean, it's kind of like a mini. It's kind of like a mini crisis, right? Like yeah. they, they pulled a mini DC there where they were doing that. But in general, Marvel doesn't usually do a, a line ro- wide reset of their characters. We're looking at you, New Fifty Two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and return and everything else. Uh, yeah, yikes. Yeah. So definitely, I think he was definitely right on the money there for why it makes sense and why even now we're seeing a success of the MCU over the DC. That's uh, kind of what I'm getting at, yeah. Um, the is, staying power of the MCU. Exactly. It's yeah. exactly the same thing we saw with the comics. DC has an issue sticking to it. And Marvel makes these characters that are so easy to fall in love with and so easy to follow as they get older and their lives change. So I think that that's one of the reasons we're seeing the success of the MCU now. Yep. But, yeah. And why it'll be interesting to see how the new DC reboot, reboot does. If they're too late now, like if it's kind of past... You know, or if they can turn it around and, uh, you know, certainly like James Gunn is a good uh, creator and collaborator. So I feel like they have a chance, but it'll be interesting to see if it works. There's a lot of eyes on James Gunn right now. There's yeah. a lot of pressure on James Gunn because a lot of people are kind of looking at like how DC has been so rocky over the last like 10 years mm-hmm. that all of a sudden James Gunn has come in as the savior of the DC universe. So everyone's banking a lot on his yeah. new movies. Yeah. So, which I heard he's going to be directly involved in most of them, which is yeah, really good. Superman, they just announced yep. it'll direct that one. Yeah. Yep. So I think that that might uh, might save their skin a little bit, but we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. I'm kind of curious who they'll cast as that, but that's neither here nor there. Well, that's not really a Mind the Snap podcast. No, but... I suppose not. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually an ad for our new DC podcast. We're going to play both sides of the coin here. <laughs>
We, we are not. Not right no, now, anyway. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was actually really enjoyed. Uh, and they also, we got to see, uh, we got to see Grant pretending to be Scott Summers and dance around uh, in his thing. Yeah, it was representing what Scott would look like dancing. Yeah, so it was yes. rather, it was rather fun. And, yes, uh, it was correctly awkward. It, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it was. But uh, the two of them had so much love and so much passion for the X-Men and for Marvel in general that it was just really cool to see that this is why the comics do so well is they're in hands of people that care mm-hmm. and they're in hands of people that really relate and want to do these characters right. Yep. So it was really cool and really passionate. And yeah, it was just awesome. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole, the whole panel. So uh, The other thing I thought was kind of cool, unless you want to talk about it, do you want to talk about what Hickman said about mythology? Or do you want me to go uh, No, you go for it. Yeah. I, I thought it was an interesting thing where he talked about how the way that you understand the characters um, and, and choose to reinterpret them, because that's obviously what he's doing right now. He is reinterpreting mythology that people like Claremont and Morrison have come before. And he said the way to do that is to both evoke the memories of the stories you read as a child or as a teen, um, but in a new way. And he described it like sitting around the campfire. You know how people tell like the you know, hook man and all these different like stories, mm-hmm. lore stories around the campfire, right? Yeah. And his comment was telling it again. You're telling this X-Men story again around the campfire in your way. So basically, there's some familiarity, some stuff that you kind of like, oh, I kind of have felt like I've felt this character arc or development before, but it's told in a new way. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting way about how you take a property like Marvel, who you obviously can't just blow everything up, you know, and, and you have to put the pieces somewhat back together when you're done, um, but do it in a way that's still fresh. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that's perfectly said. Yeah. Uh, truthfully. So, yeah, I think that's really cool. Uh, and that's... Yeah, that's perfect. That nails it, really. I don't even know what else to add. That really, that really nails it. But uh, yeah. So uh, the next part of the pod, uh, the podcast. Wow. Hey guys. <laughs> well, it's also the next part of the podcast. Hey, good point. You said good it point. factually. That's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, the next part of the panel. Yes. See, when it's done online, it feels like a podcast to me. It feels like we're just yeah. watching a podcast. Sure. Yeah. Know, they've all got headsets. It's a visual. They've all podcast. got their mess, messy rooms behind them. <laughs> what are the, what's a visual podcast even called? Like a panel. A video cast? Well, see, most podcasts are visual these days. So, I mean, maybe it just counts as a hey, podcast. Hey, just because I'm old, okay? <laughs> I'm recording this on a gramophone, gramophone like crazy yeah. handle. <laughs> on my wax. We actually, get really, we actually get really tired. We have to switch off every once in a while. It gets really tiring to try to record <laughs> this. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, the next part of the panel uh, featured Jordan White uh, and Lauren Amoro, who are kind of... Their hands are kind of in with the new uh, X-Men mm-hmm. comics um, as we get towards the end of the Sins of Sinister comic line. For those of you who are familiar with uh, modern comics, which is seeing the return of Mr. Sinister and his other variant forms um, in kind of the newer newer era of comics. Um, and so it was kind of cool to hear from them and hear what's kind of coming, what we can expect in the future of X-Men. Um, so the first thing they talked about... Uh, is the fall of X comic is coming? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what were your thoughts on 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 what uh, Jordan was talking about with with fall of X? Well, he was very cagey, so he did not give us a lot to go on. He just kept using the word dark a few times. He did say that um, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's it. If I had to guess, and I'm purely just guessing here, I am assuming that it's going to roll the carpet back. You know, whatever, pull the rug out from the whole uh, immortal storyline. I have a feeling that the X-Men are going to be reset and no longer be able to just, you know, come back all the time. That's my guess. I could be wrong. 
Um, he did say it's a status quo change. So again, I kind of felt like that was hinting at the fact that maybe we're going to look at now that it matters again if the X-Men die. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you're right on the money with that for sure. Because he did say specifically it affected entire X, the entire X-Men line from here to the future. Yep. Uh, and it was going to tie into other titles as well, which I thought was interesting. Uh, he did specifically ask Lauren about that. Ryan did, and she kind of didn't really want to say anything about that either. Right. Um, but yeah, it's going to kind of deal with the fallout of the Sins of Sinister. Uh, we get to see the return of famous X-Men villain Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean... The word dark was said a lot, uh, so we'll see what it holds, but I definitely think we'll probably see kind of a return to classic X-Men. Yeah, I think so too, which is good. I mean, they, they've definitely explored the idea of X-Men being immortal over the last probably four years, and it's it's. I think it's good to pull that back. That's one that I think you're, you're both expanding the storytelling, but then eventually you're limiting your options because yeah. death takes away, you know, ha- having immortality takes away the meaning of death and sacrifice. So I think it'll be good to roll that back again. Right, yeah, for sure. Um, so definitely, guys, if you're interested in keeping up with X-Men, um, keep an eye out for Fall of X, which is actually going to start with X-Men Red. Um, that's what's coming next. So keep an eye out for X-Men Red to hit shelves. Uh, when we hear more about it, we're going to definitely have that in a new segment, and we'll let you guys know as soon as we hear. So uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the Hellfire Gala? Because I know that was something that's that's coming up that's really important yeah, to Fall of X especially. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think Fall of X really probably starts there and then moves into X-Men Red because he said that Hell, Hellfire Gala, like so basically Sins of Sinister is going to wrap up and then elements of that storyline will go into the Hellfire Gala, which is a one-shot comic that's coming out um, and then that will lead directly into the Fall of X you know, titles like X-Men Red mm-hmm. and all those. Because um, now we're in the third or fourth Hellfire Gala year. Third, third, I believe, third. recently. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, each time the Hellfire Gala as a standalone comic has influenced the future of, of X-Men. So there's usually one big thing that happens in it, uh, as they said in the panel. Um, and so this time is going to be whatever happens is going to kick off uh, X-Men Red. Yes, correct. Um, and then did you want to talk about the other very cool thing related to that? Yeah, I actually thought this was really cool. And I'm actually kind of jealous and I kind of <laughs> want to go now. But uh, as you guys know, San Diego Comic-Con is coming up. I mean, I guess I shouldn't assume you know. But if you do know, the San Diego Comic-Con is coming up soon. Uh, So D23 at San Diego Comic-Con is putting on a real Hellfire Gala. Yeah. But by D23, he means Disney. So Disney is The club. The Disney club. D23 is the Disney club. And uh, they're putting on an actual Hellfire Gala at the S- at the SDCC. Yep. So, so bring, your, bring your capes and your crowns and your scepters. Yeah, get all dressed up yes. and fancy. and In your best mutant dress wear. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, yeah. It, I'm, yeah, that's just such a cool idea. So It's definitely fun. And yeah, yeah. I kinda, I'm not a dress-up kind of person really myself, but I would love mm-hmm. to go just to see all the costumes because I'm sure there'll be some amazing ones. Oh, it'll be, yeah, it'll yeah. be incredible. As there already is in Comic-Con, this is just to right. the it's a, degree. It's an excuse to really go all out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was uh, that was mentioned as kind of one of the last things. Mm-hmm. Um, the la- One of the last questions he, he pitched to them was... Um, and kind of what superhero, like, mutant power they would like to have. Um, I felt like Lauren's answer was kind of a cop-out. She's already a triplet, and her power was to make more of herself. And I was yes. like, I feel like you already got that taken care of. <laughs> like, that's already done. <laughs> but uh, So yeah. what, would, what would your mutant power be? Now, see, I was going to pitch the question to you. That's why I brought that up. But um, Well, you know, I'll I, tell you why I beat you to that in a minute. Okay. Go ahead. What's your mutant power? I mean... 
I'm a big I'm a big multi-use guy. Okay. So whatever power I pick will have to be something that I feel like is expansive enough. You're gonna do the rogue thing, are you? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna take everyone else's power. That's tempting. (laughs) That's really tempting. That's really tempting. Um, but no, um, I don't like the idea of reading people's minds. Yeah. Because I agree. I feel like we don't want to know. Yeah, I just yeah. feel like I'd rather not yeah. know. Um, I feel like something cool, um, because I'm used to being kind of overlooked. I suppose. Um, I feel like I would like something that's very unassuming. So nothing that shows up on the outside of my body because okay. I want to. You know, it's easier to be discreet because then I can wear a cool jacket like Gambit, and I can just you know no one will even be able to tell. Um, except nowadays, that's kind of associated with either a, a, like a pedophile or a drug dealer. So I guess maybe not, but. Big, uh, wide, flowy trench coats. Yeah, no, no, I'm just letting you yeah. talk. Okay. <laughs> yeah, do, you, do you need a shovel or... Jeez, uh, uh, wow. I okay. feel like your mutant power might be hedging. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I probably would go for something... I like sp- I like speed. If I could have something like a Quicksilver E, okay. but maybe take it up a notch. Because if we see like what speed can be used for in like Flash comics, like traveling through time, right? and a Quicksilver can move so fast that the world appears to be standing still mm-hmm. um that kind of stuff is i feel like i would probably do something yeah, like that that's solid that's solid yeah yeah, yeah. so I the reason i said is that you'll see why i asked the question first is my power is actually time shifting um so basically uh, i can like stop time and go back a few minutes you know so i just that's what i did i just zipped on back asked the question first you know what that would be really good for is like you know when you regret saying something yes. stupid that is exactly <laughs> what i was thinking yeah so anyways, can I have that power so I can go back and just erase everything I said <laughs> we'll, the last we'll just, we'll just get it in post. It's fine. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. <laughs> so the very last announcement on the panel uh, was actually kind of a cool thing that will be relatively soon. So free comic book day is coming Ooh. up. Um, and the last thing they mentioned, they actually had Gary uh, Duggan on, who is one of the current X-Men and Avengers writers. Um, mostly X-Men. And he indicated that there will be a new free comic book day title called that's going to relaunch the Uncanny Avengers, which the Uncanny Avengers are basically typically uh, a lineup that is made up of mostly X-Men filling Avenger-type roles. Um, so you might see like a an alternate Captain America or you know something like that. So that's usually what they've been in the past. You might even see real Cap sometimes. They kind of blend the Avengers with the X-Men. Um, this one's going to kick off a new run of that. Um, there will be a tie-in to the Hellfire, Hellfire Gala, so he mentioned that as well. Um, and then a secret story that he was not allowed to discuss that's going to set the stage for the next little bit. I thought that was kind of interesting. So watch for that every comic book day. Very cool. I love free comic book day. Yes, so me as well. Uh, so yeah, guys, uh, that's the other thing we should do. So one thing I do want to do when free comic day rolls around is maybe do part of a podcast where we kind of talk about our hauls for free comic book. Sure. I think that'd be kind of fun. That would be fun. So, uh, stay tuned for free comic book day. That's coming up here soon. Uh, now we have some exciting titles to look for. We do. So, uh, yeah, exciting stuff. And, uh, Honestly, overall, what were your thoughts on the panel? Did you did you like? You know, it was fun? more fun than I thought. I went in kind of thinking, you know, I, I've been on some of these types of things before, and they could be a little dry um, and more like promotional. Uh, I thought this was actually a really good balance. It was fun to see the enthusiasm by the creators. It was great to see some of the classic X Men creators who were involved with you know so much of the formative years of the title. Uh, I had a lot of fun. How about you? I mean, same here. Uh, I thought it was actually really great uh, to see how much passion and love these guys have. 
uh, for the Marvel Universe, mm -hmm. and I just thought it was super cool. And yeah, same kind of thing. I came in with kind of low expectations, and really it met and exceeded my expectation. So yeah, I really liked it. I loved especially hearing from Mark Silvestri and uh, and like John and, and, and Grant and all those guys. So yeah, it was yeah. it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And thanks to Marvel Unlimited for the invite. They sent us an invite and we were yeah. able to join. So that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks yeah. guys. Big shout out to you. Uh, and yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. And I hope some of you got the chance as well to go in and check it out. So, yeah. Really fun. So I think, should we take a break? And then when we come back, we're gonna jump into our flashback. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back again, and we're gonna kind of give you our first look at one of our new uh, Mind the Stap sick Mind the Mind the Stap. <sighs> mind the Stap. Can we start the segment over? We can. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Wait, I'm gonna use my time shifting powers, and we're back. Okay. I'm gonna have to edit this all in post. All right. <laughs> edit in post. All right. Uh, I can't, okay, never mind. That joke's not gonna be funny to anybody else. Okay, so, <laughs> anyways. Um, so we're going to start the new Mind the Snap segment. Um, we're going to be taking a look at some flat, we're going to be calling it the Mind the Snap flashback stuff. Uh, and we're going to be taking, stuff is not part of the title. <laughs> stuff is not part of the title. You would think we were <laughs> recording this at like 1am, it is not the case. We're I am flashing and burning over here. <laughs> uh, what is that? You should have picked me? my time shifting power. <laughs> <laughs> you can just run around in a circle really fast, good for you. <laughs> oh, maybe we'll forget about that. Ah, <laughs> Mind the snap flashbacks. And we today are going to be talking about the very first chronologically uh, installment of the MCU, Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah, hit me up. What are your initial thoughts? I mean, basically, I mean, as always, the point of this segment is to basically give our thoughts on something that's been long past so that you guys can have a little bit of a refresher course as well. And it's kind of fun to talk about those kinds of things, especially when we revisit classic Marvel. Um, but it's also kind of taking a look at how this affects current Marvel and mm -hmm. even future Marvel. So, I mean, my preliminary thoughts about Captain America the First Avenger is when you look at it from where classic Marvel was and compare it to kind of where it's at mm -hmm. now, it feels like better, I guess. So, new Marvel, the way it looks, it just feels different when you look at it mm -hmm. on screen. I don't know if that makes sense, but it feels shiny. Yep. To me, and yep. Captain America, the first Avenger, felt more, like, grimy and real and, like, mm -hmm. down in the dirt. It was a real, like, for for a superhero movie, it felt, to me, very military. Well, I mean, it, it was set in World War II. Which, I mean, yeah, yeah. literally military. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it's very much about frontline war. Right. Frontline action. And right. so it puts you at the seat of Captain America's sure. plot, like, yeah. you know, attempts to defeat the Red Skull and the, the, the Hydra forces. So I guess my looking at it as, like, seeing the origin that I grew up with in the comics turning into movie form is I guess why it has this kind of feeling in my mind is just how it looks to bring something that from that era to the silver screen and make it modern mm -hmm. I guess make it like I don't know it just it feels good in my head it's nice and fuzzy and warm in my head yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's definitely a... I can see it being a comfort food type of movie. Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. 
So I'm going to I'm going to use my time shifting. I'm going to rewind okay. to the very beginning of the movie and I promise I will not go through every minute of the movie. <laughs> We're actually we have timestamps. <laughs> so <I'll> keep up. <laughs> but I but something stood out to me. When uh-huh. I hit play on the movie and I started watching it, the first thing that popped up was the Paramount logo. And that threw me. I was like, what is oh, the Paramount that's logo? Right. Yeah, I had to research and remind myself that at that time, so I have this little article in front of me here. At that time, Disney had to go out, well, actually not Disney, Marvel had to go out and get funding for these movies. They had right. to get help. And so basically, they Paramount was part of the distribution rights. They actually had it all the way up through Iron Man 3. And so then in Iron Man 3, they then sold the rights back to Disney for the distribution. But that is why we have a Paramount logo. I kept expecting like the Indiana Jones theme to start or something after that, <laughs> or Star Trek. But no, it was like, what is this doing here? But that is why, because they donated quite a bit of money towards uh, distributing the movie. Yeah, so they got it. a logo. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is true. Um, so yeah, that, that's a good point. That's so anyway, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that is quite the the time shift there. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So okay, I have a question for you. Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember the beginning that that set on basically the uh, plane, the crashed plane of Red Skulls? It's underwater, right? But, well, and they're like, they're, yeah. yeah, and they're kind of drilling down into it. And they so, find, yeah. Yeah, and they find Cap. Yeah. Or his shield, anyway. Did you get cla- kind of like, I got Sphere vibes. Remember the Michael Crichton novel Sphere? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a little bit of that. I actually wrote that on my notes, like, it's kind of Sphere. Um, I, I don't know. I get that vibe. Yeah. yeah, the whole, like, submarine thing. Yeah. Yeah, I get that vibe. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But um, I honestly thought I liked the opening scene because you know from the comics that Cap's found in ice and Shield mm-hmm. digs him up mm-hmm. and the Avengers kind of, you know. And so I think it was cool to see that. That and then the light shining on the shield and everything was like right. really like that was it. You know, right. this is Marvel now. This is the yep. start of the Marvel universe. Yep. I don't know. I thought it was cool. So one of the things because you're talking kind of about it being uh, sort of said it was like a feel good movie or something yeah. like that. One of the things I think one of the reasons that it's like that is it also gave off vibes of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade to yeah, me a little, bit. a little bit, especially that beginning when they go and they find you know Red Skull. Just because of the Paramount logo. I, well, <laughs> that's what maybe I guess start thinking. But like Red Skull busts into that that crypt or whatever that church in the town, oh, yeah. and tries to locate the cube, right? And and he meets this guy who kind of reminds me of the old uh, knight from Last Crusade, you know, protecting the Grail. <laughs> that's true. Um, you know, I, I almost think that might have been intentional. I feel like it was a little bit on the nose about copying that scene in a way. Um, well, it's all about the religious artifacts. Yes. So. Well, and even the guy guarding it, like it felt very much like a Knights Templar kind of thing. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. But I felt like part of the why this movie works really all the way through is it has kind of those like Indiana Jones style action sequences yeah. that are kind of the more popcorn-y, fun, light That's kind of probably why it is in my head like yeah. a comfort movie yeah. almost. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I just like Captain America too. I oh, just yeah. like, he does a great job. He does. Yeah, my wife, I watched it with my wife, and we kept talking about that. Like, the the way that Marvel struck gold in these early movies with the casting. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they really set themselves up for success, which is also why they did well compared to DC as well, is because they had their actors right from the beginning cast for, like, we will use you for all the movies. Yeah, yeah. And then they immediately picked great actors right off the bat. Yep. So it was, fun. yeah, great. And they locked them in. <laughs> they did. Did you catch uh, the reference to the Tree of uh, the tree of the World from Thor? Yeah, because he pulls it out of the wallet, which yes. has the engraving of the, the yes. nine realms on it or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So I, the, the reason the I bring that tree. up is, you know, we're, one of the things that we said we we're going to do is look at how this kind of ties to other movies. And I right. thought that was interesting that even really before Thor 1 came out, I mean, I think it was already in production by then, mm-hmm. but they worked that into the theme. That's what was so cool to me about early stage Marvel is they knew what they were doing mm-hmm. from Iron Man 1. Yeah. And yeah. so I feel like when you start off knowing where you're going, 
it just makes the movies feel so much more complete. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's missing from the newer phases. And that's why classic Marvel was so good. I agree. Yeah. I agree. What else did you notice about it? I mean, this was the first appearance we got to see of the Tesseract. Yes. Which is kind of cool. Yes. Um, Not it, as a gem yet. No, as the actual Tesseract cube. Yes. Um, which we see Loki get his hands on in The Avengers. Correct. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I feel... Overall, from the movie, seeing young Sebastian Stan chilling <laughs> there as Bucky, and we got to see... I think you mean young Luke Skywalker, because that's why I'm seeing Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. And I... Oh, here's something else. So about that scene where they're kind of... Um, one of the first scenes with, with Bucky and Steve, where yeah. they're in the World's Fair yes. or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, that whole sequence... Also, there's a Wonder Man reference in that. There series. is. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty great. And there's also an original Human Torch. A Human Torch one. That's yes. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That whole sequence is just really cool because there's so much to look at and there's so much to see, and uh, you really get the feel for the relationship between Steve and Bucky right away, and mm-hmm. it makes you just love the two of them. And you're like, nothing bad can happen to them. Right. And then it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the things I liked is the uh, my wife and I were chuckling quite a bit about this the flag scene when when so when Cap gets into the military oh I do love that yes like and that. he's trying to go go through training and he's having to, to jog and they stop and they basically say if anyone get the flag down from the top of this pole they get to ride back you know because he's still a little scrawny guy he's very point, much yeah. a scrawny guy yeah and I love the whole you know he looks at it, everyone else tries to climb it and no one can get to the flag and apparently I think he says no one's done it in seventeen years. Um, yeah, and then like and then Cap just walks up and pulls the pin at the bottom, pulls the flagpole over, and takes the flag out. <laughs> Great scene. I really enjoyed that scene. And the way that Carter just smiles when yes. he gets in the Jeep is just yes. so, yeah. <laughs> that was just awesome. All yep. around, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Um, okay, what else? What else do we got for this? So one of the things I noticed kind of throughout was this definitely you can feel that it had a lower budget. And that kind of goes back to your grimy comment. Yeah, that's a good but point. But the CG also is like a little more dodgy, dodgy. than I remembered. Well, especially yeah. the part where he turns into Red Skull, you know, like yes. takes his face off and yes. stuff. Yes, and like some of the yeah. explosion scenes and things like that. I was just like, oh, this yeah. is this is Marvel pre, you know, a mega budget. But like it also forced them to use more practical effects, sure. which I felt like grounded it in more realism as well. Yeah. Yep. Because they kind of stray more towards CGI and computer graphics in the new ones. Mm-hmm. So I feel like having that forceful use of practical effects made it feel more real and yeah. more, more dirty more realistic i guess agreed yeah. so so i have a thought as okay. i was watching cap throw his shield and yes. bounce it off everything and ricochet and all that kind of stuff yeah. cap must be absolutely a banger at pool that's a good point right homie knows his angles he does know his <laughs> angles i kept thinking like wow that guy's gonna be really good at pool that's why you don't mess with him in yeah pool. yeah it's just clear <laughs> out he's gonna take you for everything yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good point that's a good point uh, one thing that I thought was funny, so also one cool thing is we got to see Howard Stark in this movie, yes. which was awesome. Yep. I love his character throughout all of the like old time Marvel scenes. Mm-hmm. He, the actor they picked to play is just great too, but um, his character is just, you can see Tony Stark in every yes, bit of him. Yes, correct. Um, <laughs> which is just awesome. It's like pre-Tony Stark, you know, his father just has so much of the, the starkness in him. But overall, I actually really enjoyed the movie, and that the last scene of him in the plane is really heartbreaking. It really is. Sad. It is definitely sad, yeah. yeah. Touching, for sure. Yeah. So so I also have another realization. Sure. I think Disney+, Plus. you know, I know they're taking a step back, and they're kind of reassessing their shows. Yeah. I think they missed the boat, and I know this was kind of pre-TV show Disney, um, they missed the boat and not doing a Howling Commandos. I was just, I know, joke, when you said I think they missed the boat, I was like, he's going to say Howling Commandos. Yeah. That would have rocked, That would have been fun. That would have rocked. Yeah. 
Because uh, we never, after that movie, we never saw, like, Dum Dum Dugan and those guys. Not like really. I, I, you know, was sure that we were going to. Yeah, but, but we never did. No. Yeah. That was the only movie they were in. And I think they were briefly in the the Agent Carter TV show, I think. They were. Actually, yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the short. Because we actually, my wife and I watched that right after the movie. Oh, you did? And, yeah. and it's a one-off or whatever it's Yeah, called? in the yeah. credits of the short, they have Dugan sitting with Howard, and they're talking about this new trend called bikinis. And they're, Hilarious. And they're kind of <laughs> these, these ladies in bikinis, yeah. That's funny. Honestly, a Howling Commandos show would have been fun. Because I remember reading Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos. Mm-hmm. Like, growing up and those were actually like fun comics because yeah. it was like the spy right. aspect mixed with like the war and combat mm-hmm. aspect it was so cool it was. it was so cool and they really yeah they really missed out yeah I, th- I feel TV like show. it'd make a good like six episode TV show or something yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure I mean they wouldn't have been able, been able to have Bucky in it probably which would have been sad because he would have right. been a fun addition to that crew but Overall, it still would have been really fun right. to watch. Well, they might have been able to do some sort of... Maybe they would do something to bring them into the modern universe somehow. Like some sort of... You know, they got a, their hands on the serum, too, or something. Some way to bring How them... How would they're more. all... Nah. I mean, I think it would take away from the effectiveness yeah, it, of it. it Especially because now... Because they already made the serum really commonplace in yeah. the Falcon and the Winter Soldier right. show. So, I feel like that would have just made that happen earlier, which would not have necessarily been a good thing. Probably not. So... So I have one last thought. Sure. So towards the, uh, well, at the ending, you mentioned the sad scene in the ending when he's, you know, going down with the ship. My heart. So one of the things that said, and I, and I, I was going to look and I actually just didn't get time to look. I wonder if it pays off later. They make a comment, teasingly, because they know this is the end, mm-hmm. about how they want to make sure they meet up a week next Saturday at the Stork Club. Which yeah. is the club that they met, you know, in the movie. Right, yeah, yeah. And I want to know if that ever pays off. Like, I'm thinking like an Avengers Endgame. Is there any reference when he goes back in time? So it, when he goes back in time, there's only one scene. And it's with him dancing with her, in right? In their house. In the house. So they missed the boat then. They did. They yeah. could have done he it in the club. should have met yeah. her in the club. I agree, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I feel like that's a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Because that would have just... So because the whole payoff for that story was he got to live his life with her the right. way he always wanted, the ultimate payoff would have had him keep his promise. Correct. Yeah. To meet her there. Yeah. Yeah. And she'd be waiting there for him and he would show up after she thought he was dead and right. then there he would he would walk in and yeah. yeah, that would have really been the ultimate like because yeah, he wouldn't be- even necessarily have had to like I feel like the ultimate payoff would be having it as like an end credit scene the way they did the the one of him in the house. Mm-hmm. They should have had that same scene, but had her like sitting at the yeah, bar, they could have and danced. then she he like comes in, and she kind of like turns around, just sees, him, and she just gets the smile on her face. Yeah. And that honestly, you could have the dance, but right. that honestly could have been well, it's just her smile upon seeing him enter the bar. The reason the, I think you need the dance is because yeah. that's part of that comment. That's so true. because she talks about how he can't dance, have the whole hand thing, you know. Well, or even just have I could picture like the camera panning back out away from the room as they're just kind of slowly circling, you Thank know. You. Yeah, that'd be the end of the scene. But yeah, I mean, I think the dance is part of it just because that's part of the joke. I mean, they did use the dance. I think that's right. kind of what they were going for is he kept his promise and at least danced with her. Right. But the ultimate punch would have been having it at the store yeah. club. Yeah. But that's okay. All right. Well, I guess it doesn't pay off. I thought it <laughs> might have been mentioned later, but, but I guess not. That's the only scene okay. in their house. Yeah. Listening to the old radio. It's boomer. Yeah. yeah. It was still a nice scene. Especially with the old radio playing their old music and it stuff. It was. But, yeah, it was a nice scene. Yeah. Uh, definitely interesting watching these out of sequence, not out of sequence, in sequential order, and then seeing some of the end credit scenes and things, you know, just kind of realizing that some of it doesn't exactly work uh, sequentially, you know, because the end credit scene is the Avengers uh, tease, which doesn't exactly yeah. flow into the next movie, which is Captain Marvel, uh, sequentially. True. But technically, Captain Marvel takes place before the Avengers tease does in the timeline. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, what we need is almost some sort of fan edit that actually moves all the end credit scenes into oh, the to where order. they go in time. Yeah. 
So I mean, we would have sent. So we would have seen that then probably after Iron Man then really or after or even Thor. after Thor. Yeah, right yeah. before the Avengers because it basically goes. In fact, I almost remember that that scene replays in the Avengers because I think I was surprised going, oh, this is really more like a like a trailer than an actual end credit scene. Honestly. It might. I think it does. Now that you're saying it, it yeah. might. Yeah. Because it sounds more familiar than just from that. Yeah, I think it is. It's in the beginning Sound off of the in the interest. comments, guys. <laughs> All right. Anyways, anything else more to talk about this? Um, no. I mean, honestly, um, it painted the picture for future Marvel. And as we got to see Captain America's character have his arc throughout his um, movies, it really painted a picture of who he was and who he was going to be. And I think that's really cool that right off the bat, they already had... This is who Steve Rogers is. Yeah. And his arc was just so perfect after yep. that. So Nice. Yeah. I like it. Well, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed going back. And we will, uh, listeners, we will let you know when we're ready to do the next, you know, the, the, the podcast ahead. We'll give you a heads up when we're ready to do the next one, which will be Captain Marvel. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll let you know when that gets closer. Yeah. So for now, we're going to take a quick break, stand up, stretch a little bit because <laughs> you're in it now. And we're going to come back with some news. Sounds good. Welcome back to another excellent edition of Mind the Snaps, Bugle Bites. Bugle Bites. Bugle Bites. I need to come up with a little, like, trumpet. Like, yeah, do you do. Thing. You can just do that. Out of post. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of news this last there week, There is actually. a lot. So, in our last episode, there was kind of a bit of a dry spell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got, we got a lot of news in this episode. So, uh, why don't you kick us off with that first little little bit there. That looks right up your alley there. <laughs> does, it, does it look up my alley? All right. So, uh, yeah. Well, I think it does because you kind of mentioned something about this in one of the episodes. I, I did. So this was yeah. super interesting. So there's a theory going around um, that Scott, at the end of Ant-Man, this most recent Ant-Man, that when he's kind of walking along the street again and you were kind of oh, seeing Oh, spoilers, it, guys. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? It's been out long enough now that you're right. going to... Yeah. But yes, it is a spoiler for the end of the movie. He is walking along the street, uh, kind of similar to the beginning of the movie, where he's kind of, you know, experiencing this, this, uh, you know, enjoyment of fans, you know, kind of like, you know, appreciating his work. Except with slightly less interest this time, the second time around, at the end. Well, actually, people I, kind of ignore him a little bit more than they did. But the except that the the ice, the guy actually knew his name this time. But he, 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 paid, he made him pay for the ice cream. That's true. He did make him pay for the ice cream. And like, fans are kind of just walking by him and just smiling at him I, instead uh, of like asking fair, for autographs fair, and fair, stuff. Fair. It's showing that a p- public, like, it's showing how short people's attention spans are. Right. Because their opinion of him is already waning. They right. just don't care. That's a good point. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the, there's this theory going around that at that walk, when it kind of gets creepy at the end, where he starts to realize, you know, did I actually do the right thing? Because this Kang said, you know, that if you kill him or to stop him, it's going to cause, you know, a big bad thing. So at that point, the theory goes, is Scott maybe in an alternate universe at the end of the movie? Uh, there's a quote that people are kind of talking about from the writer, Jeff Loveness, that kind of adds some fuel to this, where he says, uh, I think it's very interesting, meaning that theory is very interesting. I can't say much. It actually is not too far off from some possibilities, but I can't say anything. Mm-hmm. And this is on an interview with comicbook.com. He says, for now, the only important thing to say is that the multiverse is limitless and Scott Lang was the man who saved the universe. And now he may be the person who accidentally effed up the multiverse for everyone. So it's interesting that he did not deny it and in fact kind of said, you're getting close. 
Which is interesting to me as well, because we see that the actions of Scott and Kang in the movie kind of kicked off the other Kangs talking about what they need to do next. Mm -hmm. So it's very possible that by defeating Kang, what he said may actually come true. Right. Which is an interesting concept to think yeah. about. That maybe Scott shouldn't have just brushed that thought off so quick. Well, it definitely <laughs> makes the ending a little more creepy if that ends up being the case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a very interesting bit of news there and a very interesting uh, very interesting fan theory there that may actually be the reality. Yeah. Uh, so in other news, um, we got... <laughs> this actually is very exciting to me. But John Bernthal, for those of you who don't know the name, John Bernthal was the Punisher in the Punisher TV show. And guess what, guys? He's back in Daredevil Born Again. Yes. Which is going to be so cool. And I'm so excited for that TV show because the first show was so great. And I'm very excited for it to come back. And John Bernthal is excellent. Definitely. So, That's going to be excited. good. Yeah. Very excited. And I think it's interesting that they're supersizing it. I just was reminded of the fact they're doing 18 episodes of it as well. It's 18 episodes? 18 episodes. Wow. Yeah. That's like double the length of their regular ones. Yes. So that's interesting, too. They're really putting a lot of effort into that series. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting to see. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to leave the next one for you, Okay. Uh, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, and actually, I'm going to skip down to one that I just discovered today because it's yeah. near dear to my heart uh, because I really hate this guy because I blame <laughs> him for splitting up Spider-Man and Mary Jane. <laughs> I wondered if that was going to come up in this Loyal episode. listeners of this show will uh, know. We already had a spat about this where he just went off about, about this man, and now his name popped up in the news again. Yes. And as soon as, as soon as I got a text... From you yes. saying, I'm going to put this in the news. I was like, I know what he's going to talk about. <laughs> yes. And that is that there is a rumor that Mephisto is going to make an appearance <laughs> in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mephisto, if you can't tell by the name, essentially is the devil of the Marvel Universe. Uh, literally, he basically is this red dude with horns um, who has a lot of power and a lot of evil, um, like splitting up poor Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Um, and anyway, he, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about that anymore <laughs> for right now. Anyway, my feelings, we'll I keep a whole, in check. we'll have a whole podcast episode. We, we need to have a rant, a Brandon <laughs> rant. Yes. That's another podcast segment. <laughs> yes. Uh, things, things that really grind my gears. Okay. <laughs> Grinds my um, gears. anyway, Mephisto is rumored to be, uh, in a special, uh, that's being filmed apparently already. If the rumor is true, um, starring Sasha Baron Cohen, otherwise known as Borat. Yeah, it was an interesting casting choice, actually. It is an interesting casting choice. I'm not sure if I'm 100% behind it, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, maybe he could play the, the you know, the devil, the man of mischief. I think they're going to make him... Yeah, and I just feel like they're going to go a weird way with his character on purpose, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, from the sounds of it, it's going to be like a one hour thing. So I think that might be more palatable. Kind of like the kind of like the like where like the Werewolf, Werewolf by, by Night, Night yeah. special and the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Because because kind of I feel like if it's more than that, it might be too much Sasha Baron Cohen. But probably but, but keeping it to an <laughs> we hour. Can't OD, we can't OD. We can't OD. that on might Cohen work. Cool. That might work. Yeah. I could see him like popping in once in a while as a cameo and some other things once they establish his character. That might be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. But I think I could see something that they kind of do where like almost if you look closely enough in the movies, you'll see him in the background. Not as Mephisto, <laughs> but as oh. Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> I because they just have him stand in the background in costume. Yeah. Like, don't, don't say anything. Just stand there. Yeah. <laughs> like I could see like because they did that in Spider-Man No Way Home with Mysterio. They had him as his Jake Gyllenhaal like Quentin Beck 
person right. in disguise just in the background of scenes and right. if you watch you can see him Correct. Yeah. what if they did that with Mephisto showing that he's always been watching and always been having a, having a, like pulling on the strings in the Marvel Universe you know what I think I think that anytime a character has a major decision to make they should literally have him pop up on their shoulder <laughs> and then once they cast like the Looney Tunes cartoons yes and then once they cast Angel from the X-Men they have him pop up on the other shoulder it'd okay. be great perfect yeah <laughs> that is my goal to turn the Marvel Universe into Looney Tunes okay yeah, I, I, yeah well, I mean we're basically already there <laughs> Thor 11 Thunder already crossed that bridge so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to you, sir. Uh, in other news, we are got a new announcement for What If Season 2 uh, that they're introducing a new character called Kahori. Called Kori? I actually don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm very sorry. Um, I don't either. Basically, basically, it's going to be a new Marvel character uh, who is an indigenous character um, and kind of her look kind of has that look but what was weird to me is because it's disney owned it was a little convenient with her animation style because it's a little bit different it's almost very old-fashioned disney animation and with her costume and everything let's just cut to the chase you mean pocahontas it looks like pocahontas yeah like the costume and everything and i'm like is if we're going with for a an indigenous superhero why are we making them look like the most stereotypical indigenous disney movie character Instead of being unique and special to themselves. Well, I, does anyone think that Disney's actually deep with this kind of thought process? I mean, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it'd be interesting to see them, and I'd have to dive more into the character. Especially right? since it's an original character. It's not like they're basing it off anyone in the comics. Right. It's brand new. Right. They have full creative diversity with it. Right. No, that's valid. I haven't. I've seen a picture of the person. I have not done a deep dive into it yet. I'd be curious if they, if the costume is tied to anything specific. It might be. I honestly don't know because all they've done is release the image. That's right. They haven't said anything else about it. Uh, if you guys want to look it up, it's K A H H O R I. Give it a look um, because I'm curious to hear some other people's thoughts too. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's just very weird to me. But I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah. What if what if season one was okay? So I mean, what if season two might be alright? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, but it's an interesting point. We'll see if they can uh, stick the landing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, all right. In other news, um, so we've seen some new across the Spider Verse images. Yeah. Uh, giving us a look at Vulture and Spider Man India, which Spider Man India is definitely a fun character. Um, I'm not surprised that they have that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that seems to be kind of a fan favorite character. I think so. And supposedly his world is going to be all new animation. Like, it's going to be a different animation right. style than the rest right. of the movie, which is cool. It's a lot more, like, colors and right. stuff. It looks really cool. And I think they kind of hinted at that, and if I remember right, in the trailer, right? Because in the trailer we kind of saw elements of, like, different design schemes. As yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And they actually went through his world, I believe, at one point in the trailer. Like, yeah. they went through a little for it quickly. I would I would love an old-school animation style, like, you know, a trip to the 80s Spider-Man. That would be awesome. Yeah. Because if we can have the one where the, like, web pattern does not go all the way down Correct. to his chest, just I just want to see him pop in so he can make, like, one of those, like, walloping web whapper! Like, <laughs> web, you know. Isn't yeah. that the 60s one? Was that in the 80s one? The one that had, like, the darker image, and it had, like, the Venom with, like, the red and blue like highlights on him like from the 80s and 90s oh yeah 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 okay. yeah you're it's talking about the, the one cool that you grew up riff. with yes okay. correct i was thinking even i was thinking you're thinking 60s, 60s, 60s yeah. spider-man right that's the one with the meme where they're all pointing at each other yeah 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 because yeah. i think that one would be fun that would be fun but yeah. the 90s one would be kind of cool yeah or yeah. i mean spider-man unlimited that had kind of some very unique cell style he's in the trailer some three, right it, it and is. in the poster and his his world has like because they were kind of in that period where they were experimenting with 3d animation but it was really crappy like they did with the iron man tv show back in the day hilarious they have to like do that if they're going to be in his world yeah 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 so that'll be interesting to see um also collider i'm really ashamed of you for showing the image of spider-man 2099 fighting the vulture and calling him miles morales 
Ooh, that was frustrating. That's, that's... And a lot of people got upset with you in your own comment section, <laughs> and you deleted it and reposted it with Miles Morales still in the, the <sighs> thing. So I'm just kind of ashamed, but that's okay. I'll that is sad. You. That is very sad. Yeah, I, yeah whatever. Anyways. In other news, uh, April of this year, we're getting a new Captain America line called Captain America Cold War. Uh, it's going to pit brother against brother and forcing unlikely alliances as Bucky and the White Wolf team up to conquer the multiverse, forcing Captain America and Sam Wilson to team up and stop them once again. But I heard that they're actually maybe having a falling out during this. We might actually see some oh. fights between Sam and Steve. That's not so cool. So that would be they're, unfortunate. They're be good friends. Sad. I don't like I, that. I know, but that's what they show. So we'll, I, I'm kind of a little unsure, but that's supposed to be hitting shows April. So we'll see what they do with it. Is it is it too late to start a petition and ask them to keep them friends? Yeah, it you is can't too late. fight. Okay, you can't. It's too late. It's All already right. coming. The Disney out. machine. It's over. Curse you, Disney <laughs> machine. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is that it for the news? Have we, yeah, have I we... think that's I think that's about it. All um, right. Yeah, Marvel. This is an exciting time for Marvel, though. We're kind of seeing some of the new stuff coming into play. So definitely stay tuned for that. All right, so next I think we want to just chat real quick about some future plans. Yeah. So do you want to do you want to hit it take us off, take us take us out, take us make it so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> first off, what is in this water? <laughs> Dude, we're falling apart in this episode. We're falling apart. So I said, said help. <laughs> Jeez. I'm never eating a cookie right before this podcast again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't even need a cookie. <laughs> it's my pheromones. That's my even... secret. Whoa. My secret thing is I have pheromones. That's... Isn't that literally what... Never mind. They're not I'm sexual not... pheromones. They're okay. like make you hyper pheromones. Okay. Well, yeah. I was going to go the whole Silk and Peter Parker thing. Oh, but... goodness, no. Yeah, okay. No. Anyways. <clears throat> Somehow that has something to do with the same bi- spider biting both of them. I thought dumb. you were going to say the same butt. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't pay attention. <laughs> the same spider bite. I don't know. Yeah. I'm honestly not sure. It's, I haven't really followed Silk too much. It was weird. Huh. It was weird. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Falling apart. Okay, focus. Okay, next episode, we're going to do something a little fun. We're going to do a little bit of an awards ceremony we are. for Marvel movies and comics. What are we going to call it? We're going to call it the No Prizes. That's right. Because it's going to be for the worst. Yes, it is. Worst events and characters and scenes and anything, we're going to come at you with the worst award show ever presented. Yes, literally. The worst yeah. award show. <laughs> the worst award show. That's literally what it is. Yes. It's, the, it's, the, it's the negative zone Oscars. So, or the normal Dundies. Again. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's the MTV Awards, but for sad people. Um, okay. That's, that's the MTV Awards. Oh, dang, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the next one. So look forward for that. Uh, we're going to ask for a little bit of of group coordination here on this next bit. Gonna gonna look for a little bit of involvement from our loyal fans. Um, all two of you all in Wisconsin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and those of you who made us like number three TV and film in Iceland. That's right. Let's Iceland. go! <laughs> Iceland? You literally just maxed out the mic. I just want you to know that. Yeah, I know. That's been happening a lot this yes. episode. Uh. That Thanks. never happens. But Iceland, we see apart. you. We see you. You're respected here. You need to respond to this. Yes. So we're doing a call to action. We are in a couple episodes going to have a special guest on, and we're going to debate who the best superhero is. So it's going to get heated. There's going to be some heated discussions. And I might flip the table or throw a chair. And we want to be clear. We mean all superheroes. This is yeah. not just Marvel. 
Anyone can play. Yeah. Yep. So what we're if, asking if Spawn from you, is your favorite superhero, no, then it's okay. Get out. No. What? Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, but if you do go the route of some of those ulterior like comics and say the Donald Trump superhero comic, that I'm gonna have to ask you for specific reasons because that was wild. But anyways, um, what was his name? Johnny Johnny Rocket or something? Or something dumb. Anyways, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. That's <laughs> free comic book day was lit that oh, year. Oh, all right. <laughs> anyways, um, here's the thing: we want you guys to write in. Okay, send us voice memos on Anchor. Send us comments on our Instagram posts that I'm going to post or any of our Facebook group posts. Comment your favorite superhero and why they're your favorite. Okay? Email us voice memos. Email us just responses. DM us any way you can get it to us. Get us your favorite superhero and why so that we can feature them on the podcast. Yes, and if you do send us video or audio, we will, well, for sure audio, we will we'll make sure it. to play it, yes, yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, so so don't be embarrassed, don't be shy, send us all your responses, it's gonna be a fun discussion and we're gonna include as many people as we can, so please, 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 keep an eye out for those posts and get your responses in. And we may even have a special guest or two, we will see. Yeah, we'll yeah, see how it goes, but definitely I think uh, we're gonna have some discussion, so. Do you wanna hit them up with the email so they know where to send us the email? Yeah, guys, as always, you can find us at nerdsinsuitspod at gmail.com or you can follow us or send us a comment or a DM at nerds underscore in underscore suits on any social media platform. Okay, so look us up, send us a message, send us a voice memo, send us an email, get your responses in so we can feature them on not this next one, but the one after. So that's right. like four weeks from now. So you have a little okay? time, but not a lot of time. Yeah, so get those yeah. responses in. We'll be looking out for them so we can feature them. That's right. Next time will be the no prizes. Yes, and then after that will be our fun discussion on who's the best superhero ever. Yep. Okay, guys, So that's I think it for today. I think it's about that time. We need to buckle up our utility belts. That's right. We need to lock in our snap-on tools. That's right. We need to pull on our hard rubber gloves and our... Carhartt jackets. You know, it's very clear right now to everyone. We do not do construction. We do. <laughs> used to. Nope. That could be interpreted in so many ways. All right, guys. I'm going to let it you go. <laughs> time to go. Zach is maxing out the microphone again. <laughs> I, I apologize for all of your ears. <laughs> I need to go home. I need to sleep more. All right, guys. Well, before this goes too far, we're going to send you all, send you all out. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, make sure you follow us, comment, rate, subscribe, all these great stuff. Take care of yourselves, guys. As always, mind, mind the, the snap. snap. We'll see you next time. I think that was the first time that we actually said that in coordination. That was pretty cool. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs>